Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com, coming to you live from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on Thursday, September 6th. Uh, no game for the LA Galaxy this weekend, international break, as Sebastian Lejet was away with the U.S. men's national team. We'll talk about that. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos away with the Mexican national team and Rolf Belcher away with the Venezuelan national team. We, of course, will talk about all the rumors, all the news that is surrounding the galaxy right now. And there are some really stupid, crazy rumors out there. Uh, we'll address those and get you all up to date, as well as talk a whole bunch about uh, uh, some of the questions that are surrounding the galaxy right now with just six games left. Uh, remaining in the season, sitting in eighth place, just three points out of uh, the last playoff position, but uh, still a long ways from being anywhere near a playoff uh, lock or even a playoff contender in eighth spot right now. So like I said, we have a lot to get to. Uh, don't know if we'll go through the entire 60 minutes that we normally take up, being it's an off week, but we're certainly going to uh, see if we can at least get you prepared for next week and uh, and next week what will happen next week with training and then eventually traveling to Toronto FC to take on Toronto. Uh, that should be an interesting game as well with uh, Toronto FC struggling mightily, but uh, certainly I think capable of beating the LA Galaxy at any point along the way. Uh, we also have some calls that came in as well, so we'll play those, but uh, why don't we just start uh, again just reminding everybody the LA Galaxy coming off of a 6-2 loss to Real Salt Lake. Not that you needed reminded about that. Uh, Galaxy suffering from a bunch of injuries again. Sebastian Legette didn't start because he was injured. Uh, you had Roman Alessandrini and Giovanni Dos Santos who didn't start because they were injured. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos did get the start after coming back in after being injured there. So uh, the Galaxy getting a little bit healthier in the two weeks, certainly going to help that off. But uh, here's the big deal with the LA Galaxy. Right now, as you look at it, the Galaxy haven't won since July. Their last win was 729 versus Orlando City. Since then, they lost to Colorado. They drew with Minnesota, drew with Colorado, uh, lost 5 to nothing to Seattle, drew 1-1 at home against LAFC, and lost 6-2 against RSL in Utah, in Sandy, Utah. Uh, the LA Galaxy in this stretch, in these six games that they have uh, since that last win uh, in July, they went winless in August. We've said that. So far, they're winless in September. Uh, they have three home games, or they had three home games during that six-game stretch. Uh, three draw draws with a 5-5 five to five on scoring, and three road games with uh, that were all three losses and being outscored 13-3. to three. Uh, the the interesting part now is that Siggy Schmidt has now been in charge of the Galaxy for three of the six worst losses in Galaxy histories, and two of those came on losses in back-to-back -back road games in 2018. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. The, the, it's sort of a, a little bit of a skewed stat, uh, except that you can look at the last two results, and that certainly wasn't good. Um, but if you look at Siggy Schmidt, he actually has two stints with the LA Galaxy, which is why he gets to uh, gets to have ownership of two of these particular losses, uh, which is always fun and interesting to see. Uh, the LA Galaxy have lost, uh, and how we classify, or excuse me, how we classify losses. Um, it's something that you take a look at, and there's two ways to look at it. It's uh, the worst loss, which is the worst margin of defeat, right? And those are all those five nothing losses. Uh, the five nothing loss to Seattle in 2018, the five nothing loss to New England in 2013, the five nothing loss at New York Red Bulls in 2002. Uh, I've said before, those were all away and all on turf fields. So the five nothing losses are, are the highest by margin of defeat, five goals. Um, and then the most goals allowed, and that's the six two losses, the six two losses loss at RSL, the 6-2 loss to RSL on July 4th of last year, and the 6-3 loss at Dallas uh, because they've allowed six goals. That's whenever you get the sort of the, the difference, and that's why you can sort of categorize these as the worst losses in uh, you know, in Galaxy history. So Siggy Schmidt was in charge, obviously, the 5 nothing loss at Seattle and the 6-2 loss at Real Salt Lake. Those are both his. And then he was also in charge of the 5 nothing loss at New York Red Bulls in 2002 at Giants Stadium. Uh, you also have to look back at the 6-2 loss uh, to RSL on July 4th as one of those losses. And then I think everybody remembers this. This was the one that sort of just really... Uh, almost killed the Galaxy. 6-3 loss to Dallas on September 12, 2009. 
Uh, this is a, a season that eventually sees the LA Galaxy run through the playoffs and make it to MLS Cup, uh, playing up in Seattle against Real Salt Lake, a game that they lose. We all remember that. Uh, but it certainly set the Galaxy on a path to success. You had 2010 in the Supporter Shield. You had 2011 Supporter Shield in the MLS Cup. 2012 MLS Cup. Uh, 2013 was a team a little bit needed to rebuild. 2014 uh, MLS Cup. Uh, and 2015, was it the 2015 team that we're all convinced should have won the MLS Cup? Or that was that 2016? It was probably 2016. 2016 was the team that probably should have won the MLS Cup with all of the talent that they had on it and, uh, and couldn't get it done. So just looking at those, uh, you can certainly see that as you're, as you're trying to take uh, you know, stock of what the LA Galaxy have done, that two of the worst losses in LA Galaxy history have come this season um, and in back-to-back road games, as, as we've stated before. Uh, that being said, it's it's not necessarily an indictment of Siggy Schmidt. Uh, it certainly is an indictment of the team in the last two seasons in 2017 and 2018. Um, you can argue with me if you want on that, but that's really what you're seeing here is that there was a 6-2 loss last year. Um, you know, a, a much less talented team lost 6-2 uh, at home to RSL on July 4th. I think everybody remembers that particular game. So, um, you know, again, it, it's it's a status of or it's a status symbol of where this team is right now and what the organization has spiraled down and out of control in the last two seasons. But really, the, the erosion of the LA Galaxy brand and how good it has been has eroded over these last few seasons. Um, you know, even going back to Bruce Arena's last probably one or two years. So uh, there has been a decline in in sort of the the LA Galaxy brand. I don't think anybody can can argue with that. And even in a even in a year where the LA Galaxy will have gone undefeated in the regular season to a team like LAFC who comes in, uh, they're still right now going to play second fiddle whenever LAFC goes to the playoffs. Um, the the only sort of flag Galaxy fans can wave and and the Galaxy front office can wave is that LAFC didn't beat them uh, at least not in the regular season and that's of course if the LA Galaxy end up missing the playoffs I don't think uh hmm, I don't think right now from what we've seen from this LA Galaxy team that we're particularly concerned about the LA Galaxy making the playoffs but if you were were paying attention uh, I have been keeping track of it and 538.com gives you stats and all sorts of fun things 13% is now the chances the LA Galaxy will of course make the playoffs uh, whether or not that is anything near uh, accurate and and how uh, they judge things, we'll see. I, I think most people have the the playoffs written off for the LA Galaxy, but as I stated on Monday with Kevin, is that you could certainly see the Galaxy reeling off six wins in a row when making the playoffs if that's if they win six in a row, they're going to the playoffs. I mean, you know, if they win five of the six, they go into the playoffs. Uh, four of the six, now it starts to get interesting, uh, but probably still something that happens. But can you see this team right now winning four of six games? That's certainly the question that everybody wants to know. I think Siggy Schmidt would like to know that as well. I think the players would like to know it. Um, because you see this this breakdown against RSL in a must-win game, and, and Kevin and I talked about it on Monday. What do you do? All the players talked about it being must-win. Siggy Schmidt backed away from that, said, no, it's not really, and he's right. It's not really mathematically a must-win, but you see the disadvantage it puts the Galaxy having lost that game. Whether the game was lost 2-1 to one or 6-2, to two, it doesn't really matter. The fact they didn't get any points, and particularly not getting three points, um, is something that uh, that has hurt their playoff chances, uh, you know, probably for for the worst. That's probably the loss that that really keeps them from trying to entertain a run to the playoffs here in these final six games. But uh, a win at Toronto FC suddenly moves everything around a little bit again, and I think you'd see their playoff chances increase from 13%. It would probably go up into the 20s. Um, that doesn't mean anything because it's not really a Western Conference opponent, but the win and the points is, is important right now. Um, Siggy Schmidt talked about no team you know, getting 51 points has ever failed to make the playoffs. Uh, the Galaxy flirting with 50 or 51 if they can get four wins and a couple draws. Now again, that would mean that they were picking up points in six consecutive games, something that we really haven't seen since the unbeaten streak that they had. Um, so trying to figure that out and trying to put that all in perspective is something that is difficult to do, and in all likelihood, the Galaxy missed the playoffs. And, you know, that is something that, quite honestly, the, the Galaxy have been flirting with for, for a while. The unbeaten streak certainly vaulted them into, into a position where you thought maybe they could uh, make the playoffs and that they are a playoff team. And my contention is that even if they miss out on the playoffs, this team is good enough to be in the playoffs. They, they drop so many easy points. You could say right now, just comparing 28 games to 28 games, 
All right, from 2017 to 2018. The 2018 team right now is 11 points better than that 2017 team. Now, the 2017 team is horrible team. Worst team in Major League Soccer. This team is not the worst team in Major League Soccer. They happen to have one of the worst defenses in Major League Soccer, but they're not the worst team in Major League Soccer. And those 11 points that they've gained right now does show a significant improvement. It's even more if you go back, and we talked about the 11 points the Galaxy has given up from from either winning or scoring position. So scoring position is a draw uh, and then, you know, giving it up to lose or, or a winning position is having all three points and then, you know, getting a draw. So you're losing two points, you're losing one point there. So we went through and sort of categorized those and showed the, the 11 points the Galaxy have given away from positions where they had the lead and looked in a position to score. And a lot of those were late leads. I mean, you could even go back to, you know, the Colorado, this last Colorado game uh, in Colorado, they lost two to one where they scored first. You could go to RSL where they scored first and then get blown out. Um, so, but even if you give them reasonable amount of, uh, of, of sort of, uh, you know, a tip of the cap here, they lost 11 points from positions of winning or positions of scoring those 11 points. Let's say you give them half of those points. Say you give them five and not even six. So let's go, well, let's go with five more points. This team is now 16 points better than what they were last year. So there has been a, a, you know, an increase and in a, in a slope in the upward direction for this team, which is what you wanted to see. Um, Scott French, longtime uh, uh, reporter who's covered Major League Soccer for a long time, has sort of been, you know, beating on me over the head. He goes, you know, 2018 isn't the important year. 2019 is for this team and how they're rebuilding. And so you look at the, the, the pluses that they've made in terms of what they had this year, if you get another 11 points right now, give the Galaxy another 11 points, all of a sudden the standings become a lot better for the LA Galaxy. And that's just on a sort of standard, hey, they they improved from last year to this year and then next year as well. So, I mean, you know, you go 38 points plus 11 is 49 points. 49 points ties for tops in the Western Conference. Um, so, I mean, that's sort of the trend you're looking at here and that's without giving them the points that really they just, they lost, um, those 11 points that we talked about. If you gave them all 11 points right now, you could see where they'd be in. They'd be first in, in, in major leagues or first in the Western conference. They'd be tied with FC Dallas. Uh, they'd be above LAFC. They'd be above sporting Kansas city. And those were games that were realistic point getting games. So you look at how the galaxy have gone. And certainly I think there's some fans who think they've been unlucky. They have been unlucky with injuries. Uh, there's even some unlu- unluckiness in terms of calls and VAR and everything else that's sort of gone against them all this year. I don't buy as much into that, but you you go back and look at this last game against Real Salt Lake, and yes, they lost 6-2, and could things have been different if the referee doesn't completely blow a call against Ola Kamara that would have tied the game 2-2? You know, if Zlatan Ibrahimovic hits the ball an inch to the right and that hits the inside of the post and goes in instead of staying out, I mean, you know, what does that do? And all those things, and, and I'm a big believer of, like, the butterfly effect, that at that moment in time, a little change like that can totally affect the outcome of the game. Uh, you talk about red cards happening and, and everything else. Is It's just all of those things matter at the point in the game that they matter. And so if any of that stuff sort of changes, the Galaxy are probably a little unlucky this year. Um, there was an unlucky, there was a, a luckiness index that they did for the EPL. I, again, I think we talked about that a while back, that I would love to see the Galaxy's luckiness or unluckiness index uh, that would show where they would sit this year. I would say that you could probably give them five or six points just from being unlucky. Uh, that doesn't do the LA Galaxy any good, and it doesn't necessarily make them a much better team than they already are, but you look at this team, and if you can't tell the difference between this team, this year's team, and last year's team, you're not paying attention. Uh, this year's team is way more talented. Um, this this year this year's team is way more um, exciting to watch. They're not a boring team. They may do stupid things on defense, and really that's the main focus: the defense and midfield, and that defense of midfield particularly. They may do stupid things in those areas, but it's not about this LA Galaxy team not having the talent to be it. And and they have the talent to be a playoff team this year. And if they miss out, it's going to be a huge missed opportunity. That doesn't mean that I think you look any less on their 2019 prospects and what they can do, because I think they're going to have a lot of money to spend. And I think they're going to have, you know, four or five positions they're going to be able to back up and move into. And I think this Galaxy team can be good. And I don't know. You said 2017. There's no possible way the injuries could be as bad. Well, the injuries kind of are as bad this year as they were in 2017. Um, so, you know, again, do we have to look at the training at the, at the trainers? Do you have to look at the phys, you know, the physical fitness of these players? Uh, again, I talked to a player who said, listen, the trainers can do all you want, but it's really about self-care. And so is it more about the LA Galaxy players caring more about how they're recovering and making sure that they're doing stuff? 
um, all those things would look different. Uh, in, in the chat room, they're even asking, you know, Sea uh, uh, Green is asking, at this point, is Siggy a better coach than Kurt Anolfo? I would say that if Kurt Anolfo had this particular roster, that you would see similar lineups. I don't think they're they're light years apart. Now, that's probably, in my mind, giving Kurt Anolfo way more credit than he got uh, whenever he was coaching this last year's team that was devoid of talent, devoid of anything uh, regarding depth. Um, and, and so I think I think Kurt Anolfo is actually a better coach than what he is. Um, I think tactically, Kurt Anolfo would have been way more offensive than than Siggy Schmidt would have been. So maybe you see a difference in that offense and the defense uh, from 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 Anolfo to Siggy Schmidt. And I don't think Siggy Schmidt is doing a bad job this year. Uh, I think that he waits a little bit too long on subs, but for the most part, I can predict his lineups because I know who's injured and who's not injured and how that works. And if you know that, it's pretty easy to put these lineups together because there's so many injuries right now. Um, and have been that you basically play the healthy bodies and you try to cram them into a formation that might work. Um, so yeah, it's it's all interesting stuff that we look at in these things. I am not on the fire Siggy train. Um, I do not think that solves anything. In fact, I think the plan that is in place right now, again, if you get another 11 points out of this team next year, this team is an MLS Cup contender. All right, so really all you really need to do is fix some defense because the offense is going to score goals for you, and that's an offense that has been missing its three designated players. Granted, a lot of that goes to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. A lot of that goes to Zlatan, but at the same time, this team scores goals. Uh, if, you can, if you can kind of cut back even on a third less goals, you don't even have to get great the offense is going to win games for you. Maybe to win an MLS Cup, you need a better defense in terms of you know not just cutting out a third of the goals. Maybe you have to cut out mm, half the goals. Maybe you have to get to 50% of the goals that you allowed. But the LA Galaxy have the second worst defense in Major League Soccer and they spend the most money on it. And Siggy Schmidt has really pressed pushed back on that, um, saying that they have the most expensive defense. And there is probably numbers out there and there's probably people who are getting paid Certain things that the MLS Players Union did not get correctly, and therefore we cannot evaluate it. But the only numbers we're getting are from the Players Union, so we have to look at that. So you have to look at Jorgen as being the highest paid defender in Major League Soccer, something I reported for the LA Times whenever he got signed. Um, and so he's making, you know, $900,000 million this year. Um, you look at, uh, at Michael Ciani making six hundred and twenty k. Um, that's where the money's really hurting them. That and, and Ashley Cole. Listen, Ashley Cole, after last season, it would be difficult not to sign Ashley Cole for another year. We all knew that. And we also knew that Ashley Cole probably needed to pay raise because we, had, we have documented on the show many times, many times, um, that the LA Galaxy underpaid and maybe even screwed Ashley Cole a little bit whenever he came. Bruce had promised him more money whenever he came um, after the initial season, and then everything sort of got walked back whenever Bruce left and, and Ashley was sort of left out. So, I mean, yeah, he's overpaid this year, but he was underpaid the years before. I mean, if you're a team and you're trying to do it, you would like to underpay as many players as possible, um, but in this particular case, it's not. So Ashley Cole leaving next year, which I think is pretty much a certainty at this point. I don't know that he comes back. Um, I don't know if you're the Galaxy if you want him back. Uh, he's, you know, 38 years old or 37 years old. I think he and I are the same age. I don't think he's 38 yet, but he's 37 years old. Um, and he, he's showing his age, and he's also being asked to play a position that's way too athletic for, for where he's at. Um, so all of those things sort of change and, and, and morph and, and turn around, and I think you're going to have a lot of money to spend on defense. And everybody's like, how could you possibly spend more money on defense? But yeah, you have to. You, you absolutely have to spend more money on defense. But you're not going to be spending as much money because you're going to be able to, to rid yourself of some of those contracts that are expiring. Siani's contract up, uh, Ashley Cole's contract up. So those two, I think, are almost locks to not come back for me. I think Daniel Steris might also be on the trade block in terms of uh, moving him because you have Dave Romney who's going to be the backup. You can go out, look for right back depth, uh, and then you get a new center back and you get a new left back. And hopefully you get some youth in there with, uh, with, along with the, uh, the, the talent that you need in those positions because you need athletic outside backs. Uh, Bruce Arena was very, very uh, keen on playing outside backs that were able to get forward on the right-hand side. Todd Dunnabin on the left-hand side. I mean, I can remember that all the time. Sean Franklin on the right. A.J. De La Garza on the, on the right. So you look at those and how athletic they were, and the Galaxy are, are lacking that a little bit. I think Felcher's okay on the right-hand side. I think he's as athletic as you need on the right-hand side. 
but you need somebody almost at his level. I think he makes right around 260, 270. You almost need another 270 player to be there, either to be a backup or to be his replacement. You need somebody who's going to challenge him and make him work over there. So I, I think that's important. Defensive midfield is also something Servando Crosco may not come back. Of course, he may come back because he's making $67,000. That's one of those you keep. Uh, Perry Kitchen likely to stay because he has a two-year contract. Um, so that doesn't seem like anything is happening there. So, I mean, but you're going to have a chance. I don't see widespread, and I've, I've read all the posts on Reddit and on Facebook and everything where people have, you know, 12 players departing the LA Galaxy and the Galaxy trying to bring in 12 players after they brought in 15 or 16 last season. Uh, not happening. Not happening. I see five or six probably in the tops, which is good. You keep a core that worked well for you. You keep guys like Chris Pontius. Uh, you keep guys, like I said, like Servando Carrasco, who's a good backup for you. You need somebody there. You're probably going to, like I said, I've said for a long time, Jonathan and Giovanni Dos Santos are staying. They have contracts through the end of the year. Although the likelihood of buying out Giovanni Dos Santos' contract, I'm guessing it's going to be about $6.5 million for that last year in 2019. Um as you've seen things escalate, it could top out and, and roll over. It could be another $6 million after this. It could be 6.2. But if it's 6.5 and, and you sort of look at that, um, I think now is the mo the biggest likelihood you'll ever see of the Galaxy trying to buy that contract out and just paying six 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 and a half million dollars and telling Gio he can go find somewhere else to play. Because right now, the $6 million plus whatever you're going to spend to acquire is probably less, well, you know it's less than what they have spent and acquired on Giovanni Dos Santos. And actually, I went and did the numbers a little bit on the three designated players the LA Galaxy have had and the cost of them over their lifetime. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos has the longest one. He's going to cost the most, but he also gets paid the most on the team. So in 2015, he came in, um, you know, only played, I want to say 12 games that year. So he actually brought in, um, so we had to prorate his first year as the MLS players he had. So he made about $1.8 million. 2016 was $4.2 million. 2017 was 5.5 5, and 2018 was six million dollars um as we go all the way through the season he will be paid six million dollars uh his total salary hit right now to the la galaxy for the four years that he has been in uh, as part of this team is 17.6 million dollars um jonathan dos santos in the year and a half he's been here has got about 2.7 million dollars and roman alessandrini for the two years he's been here as it goes all the way through 2018 and we're projecting these through 2018 uh is 3.8 million dollars so that's sort of where you stand but giovanni dos santos has cost the la galaxy 17.6 million dollars and over the life of his contract he has played in 76 games 6,151 minutes um that is on average he has played uh, approximately 71.7 percent of the total available minutes to the la galaxy through the life of his contract up until this uh this 28th game so uh, we've been giving you the percentages of just this year, and certainly they have been low. I think they're around 33%, um, and I'll look it up while I'm talking to you, right around 33%. But for the life of the contract, Giovanni Dos Santos has basically been available for 7 out of 10 games, which is, quite honestly, really close to what you've seen from Jonathan Dos Santos and Roman Alessandrini. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, 70.7% .7 of the total minutes for the life of his contract. Uh, Roman Alessandrini, 80.6% of the total minutes. So you're seeing that the, the, you know, this dip in not being available for Giovanni Dos Santos. And some of that was the world cup. And we've been very honest about that, that some of those games were the, were the world cup and not necessarily a geo fault, but he has been very injured this year. And that's why we have him currently sitting at 32.1% of the total available minutes here in 2018. Um, Roman Alessandrini, who should not get a pass at all, has also been injured a lot this year at 55.4%. Jonathan Dos Santos at 54.6%. So that's sort of the uh, that's sort of the rub on Giovanni Dos Santos right now um, in terms of how much he has cost the LA Galaxy. And you have to go back and look at, at that. I mean, the LA Galaxy may have paid Steven Gerrard, you know, $6 million a year. Um, and that, those $6 million, you know, was for a year and a half. So he ends up making, you know, what, $9 million, uh, $9 million for the, for the year and a half. Uh, you look at what they have paid Giovanni Dos Santos at the 17 million and it's a significant chunk of money. And, and really what has he produced in that time outside of his first two seasons, 
Um, the LA Galaxy have really gotten stuck with this contract. I would love to go back and do Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan because um, I'm sure there's a ton of money that's been spent on those two as well, but the MLS Players Union numbers only go back so far, so it's difficult for me to do that. Um, I can't get Robbie Keane during his entire, uh, you know, uh, his, his entire time with the LA Galaxy, So, and I can't do Landon Donovan his entire time with the LA Galaxy. So I, I'd like to go back and actually compare some of these, but most of these are difficult to do because uh, the MLS Players Union just didn't release those numbers until I think 2012 or 2013. Um, and that's when we got an idea of what all these were. So you can't go back and take a look at it. But I compared the offense and the, def- and the defense just a little bit earlier, right? Um, and so we went that way. And so I wanted to give you a, a deeper comparison with the offense and defense from 2017 to 2018 and sort of see where the LA Galaxy have gotten better and where they have gotten worse. I would remind everybody that these numbers for 2017 or for the season total in 2018 would be through 28 games. So the numbers are going to be a little bit different. Uh, in 2017, the LA Galaxy finished with the sixth worth, uh, worst offense in, excuse me, the sixth worst offense in the league. I can talk, I swear. Uh, the sixth worth op- uh, offense in the league. They scored just 45 goals. All right. This year already, they're at 51 goals through 28 games. So you can see there's an improvement there. Uh, in 2017, the LA Galaxy finished the second worst in defense as they conceded 67 goals. In 2018, right now, the LA Galaxy have the third best offense in the league. They've scored 51 goals through 28 games and right now have the second worst defense in the league, conceding 54 goals. Now, if we go out to try and predict those, and lots of people have certainly told me that uh, whenever I said the LA Galaxy would have to really work hard in order to get back to those 67 goals they conceded last year. Uh, I will tell you this. As we're predicting, it's getting closer. Obviously, the 5-0 loss and the 6-2 loss don't help. Uh, But right now, they're on pace to score 1.82 goals per game. So they should score 61.88 goals over 34 games total played. So look for that uh, final total uh, to come up about another 10 goals in the next six games from the LA Galaxy if they're to sort of stay on pace that they were. Uh, However, they're on pace to concede 1.92 goals per game. So score 1.82 goals, concede 1.92 goals per game. And currently over 34 games, if you predict that out, they would concede 65.28 goals. So say 66 goals, which would be one less than the 67. So the LA Galaxy defense has not improved from 2017 to 2018. They just spent a lot more money on it. But I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of the same players uh, that you're looking at in this that that have, have still been there. And so if you're looking at the slate being wiped clean in 2019 for this defense, I think you can make a lot of improvements there. I think you can get a little bit... Uh, do a little bit better in terms of uh, the the amount of cash you're doing. You're not getting rid of Jorgen Shelvick, uh, despite the fact he makes a million dollars. He's not going anywhere unless you move him, and then I'm sure you would have to move him for something. I am also still of the belief that Jorgen Shelvick, if he is put next to a center back who can play defense, uh, is a much better center back. Uh, he may even be worth a million dollars in 2019. That's saying a lot, you need to understand that I really think that Michael Ciani is the biggest problem on this defense right now, uh, and it certainly showed that way against Real Salt Lake. So if you can keep Jorgen in there, if you can get a new left back, or you move Jorgen to left back, and you move somebody else in the center back, and you get two new center backs, maybe you get them from the same team, so they're already uh, paired up, and they already have a chemistry working together. In fact, that's a great idea. Somebody find me two center backs, two starting center backs somewhere around the league or somewhere around the world that can be brought in to the lineup for the LA Galaxy where they already have the chemistry and are all ready to go. That's that's a trademark Josh deal right there because um, I really think that it's the chemistry that needs to develop in this in this preseason. Um, so we'll see, you know, what what happens there with the Galaxy. I think they're okay at right back, but they need depth at right back, um, and they need somebody who's going to push Rolf Felcher, and if Felcher is as injury-prone as he has shown, although he fell over a ball, it's kind of a freak accident. Um, you know, if he's as injury-prone, you're going to need somebody for the backup there. So, again, that's where it comes right now. The LA Galaxy on pace to have the third, or, or currently are the third best offense in the league through 28 games, having 51 goals scored, and looking to score 61 or 62 goals this season. Um, that's a ton of goals. And it's one of those things that really should put the LA Galaxy on a lot firmer ground than it has been um, this season. And, and that's really where the, where the big improvement has come. They're going to, on pace to right now, to score, what, 60, 15 more goals than they did in 2017. Uh, the 61 goals would put them third all-time in LA Galaxy history. Um, behind 2014, where they scored 69 goals, and 1998, where they scored 85. 
By the way, that 85 in goals per game is ridiculous because they didn't play as many games as they do now in 2018. So uh, that 85 is probably untouchable. But the LA Galaxy have a formidable offense, and that's something you can build around, and that's something you don't want to wipe the slate clean. People talk about wiping slates clean. You need to stop talking about wiping slates clean. This team is tweaks away, tweaks away from being a very good Major League Soccer team, and it's mostly tweaks on the defensive side of the ball. All right, It's very simple. That's it. If you can fix some of those problems, this offense scores goals. All right, And, hey, if you didn't have to ask the offense to bail out the defense all the time, this team would be even better. Um, and winning fixes a lot of things. So it's one of those things that I really think the LA Galaxy are, are not too far. They are four players away from being a very good uh, Major League Soccer team. And quite honestly, for putting up goals you know, against teams like Atlanta, um, you need a good defense. But the LA Galaxy can score against anybody. I'm convinced of that. Um, and, and certainly with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Ola Kamara and everything else. But it certainly has been, I don't know, it's been in my mind recently about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and we have talked about this a little bit. Um, and people in the chat room are, are shouting out my center back pairings. Um, <laughs> somebody says, pull a Spurs and go after two former Ajax center backs. So you could do that. Uh, Ramos and, and Varane. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's happening. Um, let's see. Hmm, where else could we go? Uh, let's see. Uh, PK. PK. You, you just go and get PK. Really, that's the answer for everything. Shakira and PK. There's your center back pairing. That's I like it. You need another pop star on this team. Sebastian and Becky G can, can work that one, and we get Shakira and PK. Works for me. Um, no, so that's how it is. But it certainly has been crossing my mind, and it's something I'm very willing to argue about, um, is the LA Galaxy and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And people always throw this down as it's, an unequ- as it's a fact. And it's not a fact. And I would argue that, as a matter, as a matter of fact, it's not even close to a fact. Um, would the LA Galaxy be better without Zlatan Ibrahimovic? And everybody says, no, of course not. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is the only reason this team is as good as it is this year. I, and I disagree with that on its face. Um, Now, I'm not disagreeing how good Zlatan has been for the LA Galaxy, and certainly playing in a 3-5-2 that had to be forced around Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the LA Galaxy have done as much with the offense as they could, Um, but it's also left the defense really porous, and we've talked already, and Kevin told you about it, um, I think on Monday's show, and we've hinted at it before, that the LA Galaxy, and Siggy Schmidt in particular, had the money that was used for Zlatan Ibrahimovic on two more defenders. And certainly there's an argument to be said that, hey, you needed two more defenders and you wanted to spend more money on defense. But yeah, I mean, they felt that they were good in midfield and they felt that they were good on offense and that really they needed the defenders to sort of shore up maybe a shaky defense. Hmm, what do they have? A shaky defense. So let's play with these ideas all in our head is that, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic comes in and takes a 4-5-1 formation that had been built from the very beginning, that Siggy Schmidt had looked at what the, what the LA Galaxy had had and said having four in the back, having five in the midfield, and having Ola Kamara up top sounds like a great idea. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos plays in the midfield. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos plays in the midfield. Sebastian Legette plays in the midfield. Roman Alessandrini plays in the midfield. And we have our one striker that we went out and got. All right, so I really do think that um, a four-five-one with the talent would be, I think, as competitive a team as this team. I don't know if they're a little bit worse. They probably are a little bit worse, um, but it's certainly not just a given that Zlatan Ibrahimovic made this team so much, made it the eleven points better than it is. Um, than it was. I really think the Galaxy had built around a four-five-one, and I think changing that formation has severely hurt them in 2018. Um, and going forward now, they have to choose and pick how they're going to use people in this 3-5-2 or go back to, you know, a 4-4-2 and figure out what that looks like. Uh, certainly putting four defenders back and, and listen, the 3-5-2 certainly morphs into a 5-3-2 or a 4-4-2 um, on defense all the time with Ashley Cole dropping back into that back line. So you see all these things happening, but you can't sit there and just say, oh yeah, Zlatan, without Zlatan, this team is way worse. No, it probably isn't. It probably plays more. Now, I'll throw in another thing. I'll throw in another thing because this is, this is crazy and it's a little nuts and, and that certainly takes a hit. I'll say this, that if you went with the 4-5-1 that they had and then you had the injuries that they have had, that this team struggles this year. Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, Roman Alessandrini not all being on the field all the time and really if you're playing in a 4-5-1, you expect those guys to start all the time. The fact that Zlatan's in there now and they play in a 3-5-2 really gives relief to those all three of those injuries, just not all three at the same time. 
So, I mean, you know, all things being equal, at the beginning of the year, a 4-5-1 without all the injuries that they had, are they still, are they a horrible team? They're not a horrible team. They're actually probably a pretty good team. Are they in a similar situation? I bet they are. I bet they're trying to play their way in the playoffs as well. But now that you have Zlatan, you have to do things to build around him, and you certainly should. And I'm not even arguing that you shouldn't have gone after Zlatan Ibrahimovic. All right, because that's stupid. You should. You probably make that move. All right, I think that Siggy Schmidt was probably overruled on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I think that he didn't want to bring him in because he knew it didn't fit the system that he had and he knew he had to work around it. I think all those things are probably true and it's probably still the right move for the front office to overrule him and say, yes, Zlatan comes in. But here's the problem is, you had Siggy Schmidt and you told him that he was in charge of player personnel. And then you tell him basically that you're overriding him. So, I mean, is that really... Is that really what you want? And, and my argument all along is that if you are doing a front office, if you're doing anything in this offseason, is that you're reorganizing that front office to have a general manager. And if that's Siggy Schmidt, cool. Make him general manager and head coach. All for it. But Siggy Schmidt should then answer to Chris Klein and should answer to you know Dan Beckerman. And that's how that should be answered. And there shouldn't be anybody else in the way. And quite honestly, everybody should report to Siggy Schmidt. Uh, Kurt Schmidt should be report to Siggy Schmidt. And, you know, Jovan Karofsky should report to Siggy Schmidt. And Siggy should have basically the last say on most of this stuff, except whenever it comes to big players and stuff like Zlatan. You're never going to get away from that. Bruce didn't want Giovanni Dos Santos. He's probably right. <clears throat> but he got overruled. And do you make that move? And they did. They did make that move. And they did overrule Bruce. So even Bruce gets overruled sometimes. Um... But, I mean, that's, that's, that's where you're looking at this team. And, and what you need to do in the offseason is that, uh, to me, it's too muddled. It's too confusing. I mean, I, I'm sure as a fan, you're looking at this and saying, okay, who's in charge? Who's making the decisions here? And the Galaxy certainly told everybody that Siggy Schmidt was making all player personnel decisions, but he's not. He's not making all of them. You can tell. Um, Zlatan got brought in. So then, really, who's in charge? That's sort of my problem right now is looking. And I'll tell you as a reporter that I'm con- I actually know what the flowchart is on most of this stuff. And it still confuses me. All right? It still confuses me. It's not, and, and listen, it's not transparent. It hasn't been transparent. Um, and I think the communication isn't there to, to understand these moves. And, and as a fan, you want to be able to point at somebody and say, this is your fault or this is your success. Right, because everybody. What if Siggy Schmidt goes out next year and goes undefeated in the season, goes thirty-four and zero, and wins the Supporter Shield and the MLS Cup, and then wins the Champions League? You, as a fan, are going to be like, "That's Siggy, that's my coach, that's the guy I want in there." You want to congratulate him, you want to say you did a good job, but the same, but the flip side works as well. You need to be able to blame somebody, and lots of people want to blame Siggy Schmidt for a lot of this. And I'll tell you right now that in my mind, he has a plan going forward. He understands what it's going on. He he understood that when they got Zlatan, they no longer had any flexibility in that summer window. And he probably fought against that because, as you see, everybody in Major League Soccer makes a move in the summer window. What happens? Everybody else gets better. The LA Galaxy stay the same, and by staying the same, you get worse. And it, it's the momentum of getting a player in the middle of the year. It does spark a team. We've seen it. Robbie Keane coming in certainly sparked a team. Okay? I mean, Jonathan Dos Santos, that didn't really spark a team. That, that that didn't really. That was the one. We'll throw that one out. But other guys coming in, that's how it is. If Siggy Schmidt wins an MLS Cup title with this, you are going to want to congratulate Siggy Schmidt for doing this. But right now, you don't know. And I'm sure they would love, I'm sure the Galaxy would love for you to say, well, it's an organization and we did it all together. Okay, but who's raising the trophy? All right, who's, who's grabbing the trophy? It's going to be Siggy Schmidt. And if you're going to make him GM, then make him GM. Get, or get another GM that he wants to work with. Make that that way. It's a very easy, simple step to make. Okay, but it, it, was not, it was not in place, and it was a wreck whenever Bruce Arena left. Uh, and I continue to see that it's not in place, and it still feels like a wreck uh, now that even Siggy Schmidt is in there. And he's not given the GM title. To me, that's still just, that's, that makes me scratch my head. Uh, the rumor, though, was around Zlatan headed to Egypt. Uh, uh, do I have to teach? I, I don't have to teach people how to look at rumors, right? We, we don't have to understand, like, you know, sources and where those sources come from and then, you know, run it through the eyeball test of does this look or sound right? Um, you know, all these things. Because this one from the very beginning just was like, okay, where is this coming from? And eventually we figured out sort of how it came about, but it's all a ridiculous rumor that Zlatan was somehow going to leave the LA Galaxy and go to Egypt. If you're telling me Zlatan's going to the Premier League, I'm suddenly I'm paying attention. 
right? Suddenly I'm paying attention. I'm like, okay, is this real? And certainly there's been a little hints of some of that, but nothing seems to be sticking. And everybody say, and even Zlatan himself says he's not going anywhere. But the rumor for Zlatan headed to Egypt, uh, rumors placed the LA Galaxy striker on his way to Egypt saying the league, the league MLS had already agreed to let the player leave, uh, which doesn't seem like that's true at all. Um, so, of course, as I do, I look at it and I say, okay, this seems like this is totally ridiculous. I shouldn't pay attention to any of this, right? I should, I should ignore this and not pay attention. So I did. I ignored it and not paid attention because I'm like, this is not something I'm going to ask anybody about. And then everybody on Twitter started hitting me up. Hey, is there any truth to this? I'm like, I, no, it doesn't feel like there's any truth to this. This doesn't seem like it's anything you should even entertain for a second. And I think it came from a Spanish language newspaper called uh, Record, uh, where that was, that was where the rumor eventually came from. And it came from an Argentinian coach uh, who was coach of this Egypt team. Um, and this Egypt team, and he said, I would love to coach Zlatan Ibrahimovic one day. I'm sure it was a question like, oh, hey, coach, would you love to, uh, to, to, to coach Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Would there people? Listen, reporters, and I'm including myself in this, ask stupid questions all the time. You know, hey, Siggy Schmidt, wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to, uh, to coach somebody like uh, Gareth Bale? Oh, yeah, I'd love, hey, I'd love to coach Gareth Bale. He's such a great player, Josh. Yeah, it's absolutely. Rumors, Gareth Bale to LA Galaxy, almost done. I mean, that's, that's how these things, you know, sort of go. So anyway, you look at all this. Uh, so I actually, and you guys, you guys owe me for this, okay? You owe me for this. This is this is something I do, and I get laughed at more than anything. I take these stupid rumors that you guys are hounding me about, all right? And I go in and I ask people, and I ask people who, let's just say, there are people within the LA Galaxy organization that I ask this question to that are 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 not low-level people, all right? There aren't people who just be like, no, Josh, that's not true. These are people who laugh and like to laugh at me and enjoy laughing at me. So I asked people, and they said, they came back with laughing. You can hear laughing on the other side of the line when I said, hey, Slaton going to Egypt. I mean, that's what you're getting for this. I want you to understand that, all right? So no, somebody said, hey, any chance, um, any chance you can go ahead and, and any chance that Zlatan uh, moves to Egypt? And this person goes, do you really think, and, and listen, by the way, this was, this was footballing-wise, not, not how it goes, but he goes, do you really think somebody would leave MLS for Egypt? And I said, it would be unlikely. And he's like, he lives in Los Angeles. He wanted to be in Los Angeles. Do you really think that he would want to go to Egypt to sort of, you know, there's some, you could argue that maybe he does want to. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how this, so that's how it works. But there was laughing involved. Um, he's happy in, in LA. I, I think that can be, he says it himself. If you want to believe him, which I do, um, because I actually think that most of what Zlatan says is truthful. If you listen and pay attention to him, he does not mince words. He does not beat around the bush. Zlatan tells you how it is and how he sees it. Um, and he's told you many times that he's happy being here and that all he wants to do is make sure the LA galaxy, uh, get better. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. But anyway, somebody actually got to a Pyramids FC spokesman. That's the uh, team that Zlatan was rumored to have gone. Um, and the spokesman said, we don't have any interest in signing Zlatan Ibrahimovic. By the way, I already said that this was BS whenever I said it, but y'all didn't want to trust me. Um, he says, we have no interest in signing Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He is a great player, but no, neg no negotiations at all. So there was your quote, and there he goes. All right. See you later. And uh, people in the chat room are asking about uh, Emmanuel Obui, and I can tell you that I've already debunked that as well that says there's nothing to that as well. Um, he may have been training with the LA Galaxy. They may have offered to, to do it. I, I imagine that he knows Ashley Cole. I imagine that he may even know Zlatan Ibrahimovic through different players. But listen, all these players know each other. The footballing world is pretty small, actually, and I'm always surprised. And apparently, uh, you know, Christian Wilhelmsen and Zlatan Ibrahimovic are, like, actually really good friends. So, again, mind blown <sighs> every time I hear that. And it's like, oh, small world. Um, Christian Wilhelmsen. Um, but yeah, no. So, so that's, you know, I will tell you whenever I think a rumor is real, and I certainly am not afraid to ask about these stupid rumors, but we have to do a better job of understanding where this is coming from. And I saw people getting visibly upset on Twitter, social media, and different places talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, moving. Um, Pato to the LA Galaxy, still a real thing. Um, no, I've said it's not happening. Of course, I do expect to eventually be wrong on that because this will play out long enough. And then you'll have the Pato and Pato show, um, which I think is quite honestly the best thing that ever happened to this podcast. So uh, if, it, if it does happen, we're, we're all about it. Um, so anyway, that's where you go. Along with other injury news, I can tell you that it looks like Roman Alessandrini and Giovanni Dos Santos um, have both been training with the LA Galaxy, so it looks like they're getting better. Um, it looks like the... the <clears throat> 
excuse me, it looks like the lineup that's going to be coming out for Toronto FC is going to be actually a pretty strong one. It doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of people left on the bench, but one of the players that is up in the air right now uh, is Sebastian Legette, and Legette got called into the U.S. men's national team. Now, let's get something very, very, very clear. Because I've been arguing this all day, and I want to make sure everybody gets it right. Sebastian Legette reported to the U.S. men's national team training in New York already with an injury. This is the reason he didn't start against Real Salt Lake. I reported that he had an injury whenever he didn't start against Real Salt Lake. Uh, It was in my game recap that he had an injury and didn't start against Real Salt Lake. He came into that game with limited minutes because the Galaxy were looking for some sort of miracle. Same with Giovanni Dos Santos, same with Ramon Alessandrini. They all came in, and they were all injured prior to this, and Siggy didn't want to have to play him if he didn't, but he knew he would probably need him, which is why they were on the bench. It was an unfortunate position to have to be in for Siggy Schmidt, knowing that he has to put him on the bench, but that he can't start him because he cannot get the minutes out of them that they needed all coming back. So that's why all this happened. So Sebastian Legette reported to U.S. Men's National Team camp as they get ready to face a get off against Brazil already with this, and it was originally uh, reported as an abductor injury. It has now since been clarified as an uh, abdominal strain. Um, so that's where it is. He already had this abdominal... The U.S. Men's National Team did not injure him. Him going to U.S. Men's National Team training did not, in, did not aggravate his injury at all. There is nothing to the fact that anything about him going to U.S. Men's National Team camp, it was negative at all. It's not negative. It was a positive. And here's why it's a positive. Sebastian Legette will absolutely want to talk to the players to the coaches at the U.S. men's national team. You're talking about a player who was on the cusp of being probably a regular starter down the stretch for the U.S. men's national team, or at least coming off the bench for the U.S. men's national team as they were trying to qualify for the World Cup. He breaks his ankle, top of his foot, really. It's it's a foot, not an ankle. Um, the Liz Frank injury. Uh, he breaks his foot uh, and is completely taken out of that U.S. men's national team cycle, and he gets taken out of the LA Galaxy. So you're talking about a guy who has been injured and, and has not been able to report to U.S. men's national team training for a very long time. He gets called back up he's gonna want to go he needs to talk to you know coach Dave Sarakin I know that he's an interim coach but he needs to be there he needs to see the new players and talk to the new players he needs to talk to the trainers he needs to talk to the administrators there for U.S. men's national team he needs to do all of that for U.S. soccer because he wants to be on this team and as he gets healthy and as he gets back to form Sebastian Legette one of the older guys now on the team wants to be on this team for the next World Cup cycle All right, so it is only a positive for him. He did exactly what he would have done with the LA Galaxy, which is some light jogging on the side and getting treatment for the the strain, for the abdominal strain. So nothing about this is a negative, so stop freaking out about it because, good Lord, everybody's acting like the sky is falling. This dude got injured against LAFC. He did not get injured against Real Salt Lake. He got injured against LAFC. Then he didn't train for most of the week. Siggy Schmidt told you that, and we told you that. All right, And then he comes in in, st- in injury time. And people talking about why Siggy Schmidt benched Sebastian Legette. He didn't bench him. He was injured. He needed to get some minutes out of him. That's what it is. Same with, same with uh, Roman Alessandrini. Same with Giovanni Dos Santos. These are all okay things. So Legette going to the U.S. men's national team is nothing but a positive for the player. And right now, that player's mentality is more important than him doing the same thing he was going to do with the LA Galaxy in Carson. All right? Makes sense. Total sense. And you want him to go. You want him to get that experience. You want him to do all of those things. So that is the important part of all of this, is that Sebastian Legette did get to go to the U.S. men's national team. He was released and sent back to Los Angeles before the game against Brazil on Friday. All right, good. All good. He's going to get his rest. Everything's good. He celebrated his birthday. He has a ridiculously good-looking pop star girlfriend. Uh, who puts uh, pictures of him, and there's a curse of Becky G going around. I know. I've heard it. I saw it. I don't know how you can blame that sweet little innocent thing right there um, for the curse, um, but it's about as real as the as the blue kit curse, right? When was the last time the Galaxy played in their blue kits this year? It's been a long time, right? I'm not, I'm not misremembering that, am I? No, of course not. Um, other things to talk about. Um, or just some other ideas that I had before we sort of, you know, wrap things up and start to head out of here. Um, you know, the big thing that you notice in this team, and certainly after the after the loss of a must win, um, 
And by the way, in the chat room, people are going, oh, who, who, was, who was freaking out? Who, who was freaking out about this stuff? And I'm like, uh, there was lots of people. Here, we, we might actually have time for a quick call. So let's see if we can uh, get this person in and talking. 813, who's this? Hey, this is Mike from Chicago. How's it going, Josh? Mike from Chicago. Thanks for calling in, buddy. What do you got? Hey, um, given that like, the Galaxy just look like we're not going to make the playoffs this year, if I'm just thinking about potentially next year, and I know that's hard to do, but let's say Zlatan stays, do you see any way we get, I guess, like sizable improvements in? I mean, I think it's hard with the 2DP spots taken up by the Dos Santoses, but I guess what would, what would be your thoughts on like the best ways to improve the team going forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the show, but it is it is about the defense, and it's about the defensive midfield. Um, you know, and whether or not you want to start Jonathan Dos Santos next to Perry Kitchen the whole time, you have to understand what formation you are. Are you going to stick with the three five two, or are you going to go out and you're going to get people so that way you can play a four four two formation um, a little bit different? You know, it gets difficult with with Zlatan. You need to have two strikers up there. Ola Kamara is no good as far as I'm concerned out on the wing, and you don't want to play him out there. So just focus on the defense. We talked about getting a new center back. We talked about you know getting a new left back um you talked about getting a little bit of depth at right back and you need some depth in the center of midfield as well uh to sort of back up kitchen to back up carrasco um you're probably going to let baggio who go because he's not playing you're going to let go guys go like ashley cole and siani so you're actually going to have a ton of money to spend and it, it gets maybe into the 1.5 million dollar range whenever you look at who you're going to let go of and and who you're going to keep and it may even be higher than that whenever you really uh do the math so you're going to have a ton of money. The problem is you don't have designated player spots open, as you said. So trying to get you know that big name impact isn't going to happen. But quite honestly, and I know I'll get crap for this, um, quite honestly, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, with Ola Kamara, with Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, Ramon Alessandrini, Sebastian Legette, do you need another big name or do you just need to show up the defense and let this offense take care of its business? And, and that's sort of where I sit right now. Perfect. Anything? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I have much to add. The only thing would be, I mean, you know, to your point, like I don't think you need another player. It's just, I mean, it's hard to disperse the money on like lesser-known players, and I, I think that's why we're here. Also, in the in this current state of you know trying to find value abroad and overseas and kind of failing, but I mean, it would just be so much easier with DPS, but. Yeah, no, I think you answered the question. Thanks, Josh. Awesome. Appreciate the call. Stay uh, stay cool in Chicago. Is, is, is it still hot in Chicago? Uh, it's not hot tonight, but oh. it has been. Okay. All right. Well, stay cool at least and hopefully falls on its way. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right. Um, let's see. I have another call I wanted to get to before we sort of uh, you know went totally sideways. And I still have my last topic that I can, I can get to here as well. Um, but I wanted to get to David and Sherman Oaks, and, and I think he has a similar sort of take or at least look. Uh, he wants to do a lot of things, and then I'm going to tell you uh, something that you're not going to like to hear. So uh, here we go. Hey, Josh. It's David calling from Sherman Oaks. Love the show. Uh, when you guys talk about the problems with the team, you talk about the mentality, you talk about the injuries, you talk about the player selection. What you guys haven't been talking about is the tactics. There are very few teams in the world that play with a three-man back line, and there's a reason for that. It leaves the team exposed and the defense stretched. Juventus used to play with it years ago, but that's because they had really fast wingers who could go up and down the side and could fall back on defense and fill in those holes. The Galaxy don't have that right now. To me, the real tragedy here is that Ziggy keeps playing that three-man back line, even though it fails game after game. We saw that in the LAFC game, it worked a little better, but that's because you had Pontius on the right wing actually getting back and filling that hole in defense, and Siggy actually criticized him for not getting forward enough. When the Galaxy fail to make the playoffs this year, I think that's the time to clean house. Get rid of the entire, get rid of Klein, get rid of Viennes, get rid of Siggy, get rid of Dom, start fresh. And I wouldn't bring Bruce back, I think that is a step back, but Dave Farrakhan is probably finishing up his stint with the national team and should be available in the offseason, he'd be an incredible coach. So tell me what you think of that. All right, David and Sherman Oaks calling in. Thanks, David. Appreciate the call. Listen, I mean, first of all, if you don't want Bruce but you're okay with Dave, I mean, in all respect to Dave Serkin, who I have just unbelievable amounts of respect for. 
Um, y'all know my my story where I had tacos with Dave Sarakin. It's the only it's my favorite story to tell ever. Um, after the LA Galaxy's 2014 MLS Cup win, uh, I had covered the the event and went in to have some tacos. And, and Dave Sarakin came over and said, uh, "I heard they have good tacos here." And I said, "Yes, yes, they do." Um, absolutely. It's, it's, it's one of those things. And, and so I bought him tacos and it was great. And we had a nice talk about the, the LA Galaxy's, uh, MLS cup win and, and everything else. And so it was very interesting, but anyway, I have a ton of, if you, if you don't like Bruce and you get Dave Sarakin, you, you have like Dave light or excuse me, Bruce light, um, with Dave Sarakin. I love Dave Sarakin. I think he would be a great coach. He should have been the coach for the LA Galaxy whenever Bruce left, uh, straight up should have been, uh, the LA Galaxy really chased him away. Um, which is too bad because I think Dave is just such a, a wealth of soccer knowledge and, and understands the league and was a successful coach, um, you know, in Major League Soccer. So really, you had everything with him. But you can't say that you don't like that you don't like Bruce and you want Dave. Um, I would take either of them back, quite honestly. I would love Bruce in a general manager role and Dave Sarakin coming back as a coach. Sure. Absolutely. I think that's an upgrade, and I think that works. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that you get any better than what you have right now with Siggy Schmidt. There's flaws in this team. There was flaws the way this team was developed. So just changing a coach or doing anything else and trying to get rid of the front or front office. <sighs> I know that there are segments of, of supporters who would like to see Chris Klein and Pete Vianis go. I understand that. I was talking to some people... Uh, about this particular situation with the LA Galaxy, and I would say that right now you would be um, wishing on something that would not be a possibility in terms of those guys leaving. Um, it feels as if they, for whatever reason, are locked in and are, uh, to some extent, bulletproof. And that's interesting to me. Um, I don't know how you arrive at that situation where you say that after the worst season in franchise history that all you did was get rid of a coach who you didn't allow to make player player uh, personnel decisions for the most part, um, and you gave him a completely undermanned team, um, and then you watched him fail and you tossed him out on his butt. Um, I don't know how the repercussions of that don't hit you after this year, um, but that seems to be the way it stands. Uh, and that seems to be the way it is. It, it, it is. It, it's going to stand. And I don't know what changes that. Um, again, maybe they get credit for the positivity. And, and maybe I'm guilty of being positive on this team as well, that they're 11 points better and realistically should be, you know, 16 or 17 points better than they were last year. Um so I don't think this team is that bad. The eye test tells me this team isn't that bad. I don't see players quitting, and I saw people telling me that they quit against us. They didn't quit. They just they were getting beat, all right? Uh, but nobody got a red card like Jermaine Jones did. Nobody got a red card like Yellow Von Dom did like last year. Um, there were some quitters last year. You could see that in, in some of those games. So, uh, you know, to me, that's not what this team is in. And talking to the guys, it doesn't feel like they quit. They're still motivated to try and make this playoff run. And it didn't happen against RSL. And certainly, I think people talking to them next week are getting a, get a, going to get a sense of what this team is like. But right now, um, I just, I do not think and I do not see any changes right now. And I wouldn't make a change to Siggy Schmidt, and I've told you that. I think he starts 2019 season. He gets to overhaul the pieces that he missed on in 2018, and he'll be the first one to tell you that he didn't get them all right, and he understands that, and they're going to make some fixes and get some of those. Um, and so I think that they have a good plan. They're five or six players away. I've already said that. I think the Galaxy have a realistic chance at being a very, very good team last year, next year um, in 2019. And, I, you know, I give them a, a coin flip. It's not even a coin flip. It's like if the coin could land on its side, a coin, uh, a coin that lands on its side chance of making the playoffs uh, this year as well. But it, it did bring me to, you know, the last topic that I had and sort of the thing I wanted to get to is have the Galaxy lost their heart and soul? It's kind of a flowery statement whenever you look at that. But when you look back on this team, you had players over the years like Sean Franklin, Landon Donovan, A.J. Delagarza, Robbie Keane. Certainly, uh, whenever I talk about Landon and, Do and Robbie Keane, you're talking about guys who were ridiculously good. Um, very, very good. Um, and so they help, obviously. But they were also, I mean, Robbie Keane was the LA Galaxy when he was here. Landon Donovan was the LA Galaxy. Sean Franklin was. AJ Delagarza was. You know, Todd Donovan was. Mike McGee was the LA Galaxy. Those guys were there. I just feel like outside of Baggio, Sidich, and Bradford, Jamison the fourth, there's not a single player left on this team uh, that understands what it's like to win an MLS Cup and be part of those teams. And you don't see that anymore. And who are those players now? Who do you really want? Who are the fan favorites? Who are the fan favorites that you want to put in? 
um, that are really going to be the guys who you you as a supporter want to live and die with. Um, you know, Alan Gordon was that way. You had these guys who just made themselves lovable to the supporters and also went out and just laid their bodies on the line. And I don't care if you're a reporter or a supporter or whoever you are and you're looking at these games, you want to see guys playing to their maximum potential. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be... Listen, I hated Mike McGee for, for like the first couple seasons we did this podcast, which is ridiculous because um, the guy went out there and just and just gave it all on the field. Todd Donovan, same way, gave it all. AJ De La Garza, I mean, how can you not root for the guy? All right, and who are those guys right now? And is this team missing that sort of the heartbeat that keeps things going, that keeps things steady? Ashley Cole isn't that guy and he's the captain. So it doesn't work for me there. Uh, Landon Donovan would get people fired up. Who's going to pick up this team right now down the stretch? It's going to be Zlatan, and it should be. And they don't rely on Zlatan too much. He is a target striker, and he's six foot four, six foot. What is he? Six five, six five, six six. He's giant. That's all I ever remember. He's giant, and you should pass the ball to him a lot because he does things on the ball that other people can't do. So keep passing him the ball, but also look for your other shots. All right, look for those. Look for those holes that he's going to open up. It's just a little bit of balance with him. Just a tiny bit. Let him score 20 goals a season. Let him score 25 goals a season. Let him score 30 goals a season. I don't care. And if he's scoring 30 goals a season, you're not going to complain that you're using him too much. Zlatan deserves to get every ball, and he gets to shoot any ball that he wants. He is, a, he is an obnoxious striker. And that's what Robbie Keane was. Um, that's what Zlatan Ibrahimovic is, and you should feed him as much as you can. But the Galaxy still are missing that spine, the people who are going to stand up and be that LA Galaxy heartbeat, who's going to try to lead this team. And the Galaxy have a... They have a vacuum of leadership. There's something missing there. Um, and I like Ashley Cole, and, and quite honestly, the way that he has uh, approached the press and, and talked to reporters this year has given me such an insight into the man that I could say he's been one of the most joyful people to cover since I have been covering the LA Galaxy. Uh, David Beckham's up there. He was always very nice. Lana Donovan was always very nice to me. Um, there are a bunch of players, you know, AJ Delgarza and Todd Dunnamit, who are always very nice to me. And, and Ashley Cole trying to explain to me when things are wrong and how things go sideways. And whenever he doesn't know the answers to everything, I think is is something that should be commended. But he's not the, he's not a captain to me. Um, even with, you know, even with knowing that he came out and, you know, asked some supporters to, to take it easy on Gio, that Gio needs more support. And, you know, I, I would agree with that. We've talked about Gio needing to be happy to produce and, and Gio getting, you know, booed and stuff isn't helping Gio, uh, because I think he's a fragile player. Um, I think Bruce Arena was aware of that. It's probably why I didn't want him, but I think that Bruce was able to, you know, play him up and not put enough on his shoulders that he was able to succeed. And really, that's the problem right now is that Gio, as the highest paid player on the Galaxy, who refuses to talk to the press and doesn't really go through the Champions Lounge to talk to the fans at all, um, is is a guy who's just continues to mount heaps of pressure on himself and is doing himself no favors. Um, so even as Ashley Cole comes out and asks for there to be some, some some relaxation, some some ease on on forcing, you know, Geo or on booing Geo or anything else. And, and certainly, I mean, I'm not going to say Geo doesn't deserve it from people. I mean, you, you I get it. I, I understand the whole thing. But Ashley Cole's trying to do the right thing. He is. I, I just don't think he's that guy. I just don't, he hasn't been his whole career, and he got put in this position this year, but I don't think he's that guy. All right. Um, that, that's sort of it. That's all I wanted to cover. I think we got through a lot of things. There's, there's not a bunch to get to, obviously, because the LA Galaxy do not play uh, until next week. Um, so it'll be interesting, and we're certainly going to have shows on Monday and Thursday that will walk you through and get you ready for that Saturday, September 15th game against Toronto FC. That's a 4.30 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Reportes. Then the LA Galaxy are home for consecutive weekends, Sunday, September 23rd against the Seattle Sounders, and Saturday, September 29th against the Vancouver Whitecaps. Two more on the road, and then close it out against Houston. Um, it, really interesting. Another must-win, you know, must-win in quotation marks because it's certainly not a must-win uh, mathematically, but another must-win uh, for the LA Galaxy going against Toronto FC. Uh, a team that is getting better, a team that may be resting players for that that little cup that we're playing, uh, that MLS is playing now, um, <laughs> between the Mexican champions and MLS champions, and I forget exactly what it was, um, what it's called, because I really haven't paid that much attention to it, but uh, the, I think that game is on the 19th, so there could be some influence there. 
uh, from players resting and, and possibly getting ready for that. But, I mean, Toronto is uh, a dumpster fire at, at times, so it'll be very interesting to see if the Galaxy can go up there and get three points. I think it would be a huge three points. You do that and then get three points against Seattle? Unlikely. And three points against Vancouver? Maybe. Uh, all of a sudden, you have nine more points. This team is looking like it needs one more win and a couple draws. It's really not that far out. It's really not. So uh, pay attention to that. There is a path to the LA Galaxy for the playoffs. Um, yeah, somebody, thank you, Alberto in the chat room, uh, the, the Campionas Cup. Um, so, so that'll be played between uh, Toronto and the Mexican League champion. Really, I should do more research on this stuff before I just start like touting it off. Um, and, and so we'll see. We'll see how it is. We'll see how it goes. All right for the LA Galaxy, but again, no game until September 15th. Show on Monday, show on Thursday for you to do it. I would be remiss if I didn't remind you, if I didn't remind you, that the first ever uh, Corner of the Galaxy Panda and Pato Invitational, uh, we're going mini-golfing, boys and girls. Come on out, uh, play some mini-golf with us. This is September 16th, 11 a.m. tee-off time. Get there a little bit early. Uh, we'll, we'll meet everybody up, and we'll break into groups, and then we'll go out and play. Uh, we're playing at Camelot uh, Golfland. Uh, it's in Anaheim. All the information, of course, will be in this podcast. If you go to the notes, you can click on the link and then put it in there. So far, we got about 20 people, which puts us at really at about 25 when you talk about the hosts that I know are coming as well. Um, so a bunch of people there, we're going to go play mini golf for no reason whatsoever. Uh, we are, I think going to come up with prizes. So, uh, we may have a, a trophy of some sort. We may have a, a, a plastic spoon of some sort. Uh, we may get ridiculous cause it is the Panda and Pato mini golfing, uh, tournament, but, uh, hopefully everybody can come out there and play and have a good time. And I really, really want to see everybody out there. If you can make it, it would be, it would be, it would be perfect. I would love to see you out there, and I get ridiculously ultra-competitive whenever it comes to mini-golf, so I'd love for you to see me out there bending clubs around trees or something like that whenever I miss a putt. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I think they have a couple different courses there, so we'll all play the same course. We'll tally up scores afterwards and have a great time. Kevin, uh, Mr. Panda himself is going to be there, Mrs. Panda, Mr. Pato, uh, I'm going to be there, and then, of course, uh, it's certainly going to be, I think Mrs. Pato is also planning on going as well, which should be rather humorous because she hates mini-golf and she thinks this is a stupid idea, um, which is why I, I know it's a great idea. Uh, she also made the graphic for us. I want to point that out. So she does a, she does a good job for us. So, so Mrs. Pato certainly is, uh, is, is a good one. And by the way, if you're putting money on me or Kevin, I'm telling you right now to put money on, on me. I actually, I, I know how to play golf for real. All right. So that's, that's, I, I can do this and I love mini golf. All right. In fact, I'm going to go play this weekend. I'm, I'm getting ready to catch a flight and head on over to Denver for the weekend. So if you're looking for me, that's where I'll be. But no stories or anything going on this week if there's any breaking news. Of course, I'll bring it to you. Uh, but otherwise, look for that show on Monday. Uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter reporting in for wherever he's going to be. Uh, do they play U.S. Men's National Team play in Nashville against Mexico? Is that where it is? I can't remember where it exactly goes. But he'll be somewhere, and we'll get a hold of him, and we'll see if we can uh, get a podcast going on Monday. All right. Uh, I think that about does it. I think we had a nice, long, fun uh, talk uh, for a solo show going over an hour. is always uh, interesting and, and a little crazy. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. And uh, hopefully, if you are if you get a chance, you go and uh, sign up for that mini golf tournament. And other than that, I think that about does it. I think we're we're good now. So uh, certainly, if you're looking for uh, me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast is where you can find it, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All of your news, your information. I will give you injury information. You can go there. You can find out why Sebastian Legette is injured or not playing or anything else. I do that. That's that's my job. That's one of the things I do. So check it out. Cornerofthegalaxy.com. Uh, you can buy our scarves there. And, of course, the uh, mini golf information will be in this podcast. Click it. Go to our Facebook page, RSVP. So we have an idea of how many people are interested in coming. If we have five people, that'll be great. I, I hope we have more than five. Right now it says about 20, 25 people are coming. So that'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of fun with you. Come on out, and uh, we'll uh, we'll play some mini golf. All right. Uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. No games this weekend. Watch some uh, national teams play all over the world. Uh, enjoy that as much as you possibly can. But uh, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Everyone have a very, very great weekend. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. 
Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.